All right, welcome in everybody to the Blue Collar Unplugged podcast. This is season three, episode nine. Today is episode nine. Uh, we were supposed to have an episode last week, and it um, it was lost to the void. Yeah. I don't know where it is. Little it rough. exists. It it might be out there somewhere. Uh, the the thing it 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 never could get uploaded, and so here we are a week later. Uh, with the actual, the real episode nine. Um, I'm here, Blake Byler, as always, uh, here with Jacob Pickle. Uh, Matthew is unfortunately absent from us today. He is dealing with finals. Um, very unfortunate. We, uh, we wish you were here. We miss you, Matthew. Uh, me and Absolutely. Jacob are here. We also have finals, but not right now. And we're not dealing with it right now. Um, so we're here. We're going to talk some Alabama basketball. We're going to kind of rehash some thoughts that we had from last week's episode about um, kind of where Alabama stands. But I feel like some of those thoughts have shifted given a game from last weekend that, Jacob, you were present for. Jacob did travel to Toronto. He flew all the way up to Canada uh, for Alabama's game against Purdue in the Coca-Cola Coliseum. Uh, so – before we get into the game, tell us about the trip. How'd it go? What what'd you see? What'd you like? It, it was it was awesome. I uh, so I flew out of Nashville at about six a.m. on Friday the eighth. Uh, flew through Charlotte. Stopped by uh, stopped by the Spectrum Center. No, I'm just kidding. I wish. I wish. Um, <laughs> then flew into Toronto. Got to walk around a lot. Saw the city. Um, went downtown. They have this really cool tower. It looks just like the Space Needle, but it's like three times as tall or something. Is that the um, one Drake sat on on the Views album cover? Oh yes, that it's literally Views yeah. from the Six. Like it's right, it's right there. <laughs> uh, so that that was really really cool. Like get to be up there and see, like just look down and see Toronto. Uh, it's a really beautiful city. Like it's on Lake Ontario, uh, which is I think the worst of the Great Lakes, but that's okay. It doesn't matter to me. Um, that was it's water. It's pretty from up there. But <laughs> I got to see that. Uh, went down and saw the Rogers Center. Uh, it was actually there when the Shohei Otani rumors were kind of kind of popping out. So I was I was camped outside the Rogers Center for a little bit. I was like, man, I might might get to watch Shohei run through here and pull up. <laughs> uh, but went to dinner, found some good uh, good meals to have. There's a thing called poutine, which is like fries, gravy, uh, like cheese stuffed inside, and then they can like it's really really good. And they'll put like different meats in it. Like I had one with brisket in it that was very good. So I. The, the cuisine is excellent. Uh, a lot of cool coffee shops, you know, a lot of cool cool places like that. Scotia Bake Arena was very just yeah. incredible. It's massive. Um, tried to get in for the Maple Leafs game after our game on Saturday. Didn't work out. Didn't want to spend two hundred dollars to get in, but uh, so do the the Maple Leafs and the Raptors share that arena? They do. They do. Okay. Yeah. Yep. It's got a cool like downtown square. They've got a big uh, one of the coolest parts. Like they've got a big screen on the outside that's like showing the game from inside. So I, I thought that was. Neat. Yeah. Oh, I remember that from whenever they won the finals because they would yeah. have like people lined up out there to watch the game outside the arena. That's oh, sick. Yeah. It was really cool. It was awesome. Um, so, Coca Cola Coliseum. It. What is it? So like it, it's not like a pro team. It's, it's not. So it's part of the AHL, which is like a semi-pro kind of minor league hockey okay. league. Uh, I think it's the Marlies, the Toronto Marlies are in there. Uh, I believe the locals were telling me that it was the first basketball game ever played in Coca-Cola Coliseum. 
Uh, wow. I have not necessarily fact checked that, but it sounds it sounds right. I don't know. Uh, but it's in like so before it was a hockey arena, it was a like horse show coliseum. Um, so next to it are like a bunch of stables. So that's where the police keep all of their like horses and the, oh, the that's animals. awesome. Use. So it's really cool. I like that. And right next to that is the uh, is Toronto FC Stadium. So it's a cool little area okay. down there. Yeah. Um, I was just kind of walking around. I, I stumbled at like, I was just trying to find where to get in. And I think I ended up talking to some like, one of the like the VP or somebody of the Naismith Hall of Fame. Because uh, we were just trying to figure out where to get in. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it's the Hall of Fame game. Like, they, yeah, yeah. they like do the thing. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. So it was, it was pretty neat. Um, and then ended up like actually ran into Matt Painter, like coming around a corner as they were walking in. <laughs> I was just back there. Uh, so I, I don't know. It was, it's cool, but it's an interesting venue. It's very like, like it looks like a factory from the outside kind of, but also like it has some like steeple looking things on it. It's, it's a very, very interesting, peculiar little place. Okay. Yeah. So, what was the crowd like? Was it, I mean, it seemed to me that it was obviously like heavy, like probably 80% Purdue fans. Is that, you said higher? I, I think it was like probably 95.5. Like I think there were oh probably about gosh. 50 Alabama fans. Was it full? No. So they, they blocked off uh, like one end of like where the, like for hockey where the arena seats would kind of circle around. Um, it was probably only about 65% full, uh, which was interesting. Purdue brought a lot of fans um, and a lot of the like local Torontians. I don't know what you would call them. <laughs> um, <laughs> a, a lot of people from Zach's, Zach Eady's like hometown were there. Uh, I think the Purdue student section brought like a bus of people. Uh, so they were honestly not the, the Purdue fans as a whole were really not that loud. Like, yeah, it, it kind of like, it, it was weird. very like, reactive. Yes. Yes. And not proactive at all. Like, like they got they were, loud after like some Edie yeah. dunks and stuff, oh, yeah. but I felt like pretty consistently throughout the game. It was pretty quiet. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it was kind of strange. Like I was expecting, expecting a little bit more because there were a lot of them. Uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, we had the, the Alabama fan section going pretty well, like as as much as you can when it's a kind of like overly spacious arena and not a ton of people. Uh, but like we had it going as best we could. But yeah, it was just kind of it, it was an interesting. It was very much a neutral site, like painfully yeah. neutral neutral site. Yeah. Um. So to get into the game a little bit, obviously Alabama lost. Um. Alabama lost ninety two to eighty six was the final, but oddly enough. Um, and I think, I mean, from the little we've talked about it, I feel like we both kind of feel the same way. I feel better about Alabama's team as a whole leaving that game than I did coming in. Um, I think coming into that game, when you're looking at Alabama, you're like, okay, they've lost two games. They've lost to Clemson and Ohio State. Their defense has been horrendous. They uh, There have been times where – um, like I think in the Clemson game, they had a cold shooting night and it kind of affected everything. And then you also look at Zach Eady across the floor and you're like, okay, he's massive. He's seven, four, 300 pounds. Alabama doesn't really have size. How do they play? Are they going to be active on the defensive end? And I think from the jump, 
it was clear that Alabama took a mindset change into that game. And they were like, okay, we're going to compete. And I thought Alabama got better by the end of the day. Um, from the opening possession, that was the most engaged and active I had seen Alabama look on defense all season. I mean, you had guys flying around. I thought uh, Wagi and Nelson were super, super active on Edie, not only defending or like fronting him for uh, post entries, but also on the glass. I thought they were super active and in the ways that they were going for rebounds. Um, I thought uh, they came out firing offensively, obviously hit like a billion threes in the first half, which we said in the episode that was lost to the void. We said in that episode that if Alabama was able to nail threes um, and, and play a really good offensive game, that they would be able to compete in this game. And that's what we saw happen. But I thought it was very encouraging to see, even though it doesn't necessarily show on in the box score or like you gave up 92 points, like sure. But I thought the defense and just the overall intensity and activity and engagement from Alabama was very, very encouraging, especially from the jump. Yeah, I I totally agree. Uh, And I think it like – it literally starts from the jump. Like I, I kind of forgot. We, Muhammad Wagi won the jump ball. Yeah, Wagi won the tip. Like <laughs> he, 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 he like, yeah, it's that was awesome. Oh <laughs> uh, no, like I, I think I don't know if you ended up uh, tweeting out that clip that you screen recorded or if you were able to get it, but of the defense on like the it second possession. Captured YouTube TV wouldn't let me screen record it because I wanted to tweet it, but yeah, really weird. Uh, I wonder. I wonder if you could screen record on your phone. That because I know I can screenshot. Maybe them. I could. So maybe um, it's that. Yeah, the the clip was just Alabama's defense and then rebounding early in the game against ED and and how engaged and active they were. Really, um, just how like you they just wanted it, and you could tell they wanted it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like you could, there was just a lot of hustle plays and a lot of effort that I haven't seen yet this season. Mm-hmm. Um, from the start and throughout the game, like at least to that level of intensity, uh, which is super encouraging. And I mean, at, after that start, like I, I think Alabama got off to an eight or nine point lead in the Ohio State game off the jump, uh, but then kind of faltered because the defensive intensity wasn't there. Uh, and like you said, like even if even though they gave up ninety two points in this game, is like with how fast Alabama plays, like it's total points it just it has a different effect like if somebody from the national media was talking about that of like no the defense isn't great but you also can't just look at the box score and go from there on like how many points they give up necessarily uh but i I thought the intensity was there like really throughout the game and you look at a lot of those points that purdue got came from free throws um but a, a lot of the points that change the difference in the game were like effort plays, some offensive rebounding, which I, I thought we really haven't seen a ton of this year. Like one of the strengths of last year's team was not just that they shot a pretty high percentage of or from three, but also on those threes that they missed, like they're getting like 40% of the offensive rebounds. So at, at one point during the season, it was like for every three that Alabama shoots, like two thirds of the time they make it or get the ball back. Yeah. And that was such a strength last year. And I thought we saw some of that this year or in this year's team in the Purdue game, at least as much as you can when Zach Eady is down low and just clogging up the paint. Uh, but I was, 
I, like overall from this game came away feeling much better going into Saturday at Creighton uh, next Wednesday against Arizona and just in general about the future outlook of this team. Yeah. I thought as the game went on, it got with the foul trouble that Alabama got in, it just changed the complexity of the game. And I don't think that that was because necessarily the defensive effort or intensity dipped. Like, I think they were still trying. I just think whenever – when Pringle gets his third foul early in – did Pringle get three fouls in the half? First half? I'm pretty sure he got three fouls in the first eight minutes. Yeah, so Pringle gets three fouls in eight first half minutes. Wagi gets three fouls. He picks up his third with seconds left in the half. And so whenever that happens, the entire, like, complexity of how you can defend Zach Eady changes because I remember early in the game they were doubling quickly they were doubling with hands everywhere and so by the end of the game you've got guys in foul trouble and you can't be as active with your hands whenever you're in foul trouble and you're close to losing bodies due to foul outs and so whenever the however the refs are calling it like Alabama would have to adjust, but whenever that that sets up Zach Eady to either be in one-on-one scenarios where he is going to dominate, like we saw, like for example, he was one-on-one with Grant Nelson. Grant Nelson was trying to kind of three-fourths front him, and they would just throw it around him. And Eady has great hands; he would scoop it up and, and dunk it, or he would he would get positioned because one-on-one Eady is going to get positioned. Or you send a double team, but it can't be a super handsy, active double team. You just have to send it, and they have to be walls. And then Edie is such a good passer, and he's so big, he finds Braden Smith wide open for three after three after three. And Braden Smith's a great shooter. And so those were the kind of things that led defensively towards Alabama's loss. But I didn't think it was like necessarily just like, oh, they played bad defense. It's almost like the the game itself you have to look at like in a vacuum because of the kind of player that Zach Eady is. You have to defend it a completely different way than you would have if you were playing like Auburn or Kentucky or Tennessee because those are like normal basketball teams and they don't have a 7-4 monster where you have to shift your entire game plan to be able to compete with. Uh, and and Zach Eady's a special talent. Like I like, and people it's like say he's just big. Like you know who else is just big? Connor Vanover, and he's nowhere near as good as Zach Eady. Like it, it's it's completely different. He has great hands. He has great footwork. He has great touch. He can shoot free throws. Like he is a very very good college basketball player. And whenever you have a guy like that in the game, it's going to change the way that Alabama plays. And Unfortunately for Alabama, he proved to be too much. And it really was him. Like, Braden Smith was great, but Braden Smith was great because of double teams on Edie and his passing. Braden Smith was great because so much attention was put on Zach Edie. Um, And so I just thought that, like, I didn't think overall that the defense was bad, so to speak. I actually thought that it was encouraging to see the type of effort and the type of intensity that they played with on that side of the ball throughout the game, even though it got difficult with foul trouble in the end. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that's a great point about um, Braden Smith being opened up because of Edie and his passing ability. Uh, like I, I thought, I don't know, I'm trying to get a breakdown of how many Braden Smith had between the first and second half. I think, well, he ended up having 21. He had 27. Okay. Gotcha. And Edie yeah, had 35. Jeez. So I, my, my guess, I don't like, I, I could figure it out in about five minutes of looking through the play-by-play list, but I think he had like seven in the first and 20 in the second. Yeah, um, that would make sense. Like, and that directly correlates with how the game was called and the foul trouble that Alabama got into at, as a relation of that. So I, I think that's such a great point about the defense. Like it really, like you have to look a little bit deeper and realize that, a game like this, like, literally, isn't going to happen again. Like, no one does. You won't what Zach, play a game. Like, yeah, it, it's no entirely one does different. Yeah, like uh, uh, Omar Ballou for Arizona is great. He's not Zach Eady. He does not play like center. Zach Eady. Yeah, uh, like, uh, Cockerbrenner. Yes, yeah, Cockerbrenner's totally different. Yeah, like they they are just basketball players. Edie is like his own thing. It's yes. like there's no even there's no way to like classify him he's not just a center no because of how big he is and he's different from even Temi like as good as Temi's footwork was and like he's doing all the things that Drew Temi would do with like five more inches like it's it's absurd it's absurd and now like I can I see why like big team big 10 teams are able to take advantage of Purdue in conference play like when when they are able to like it makes sense of how they do it um, and frankly, like if you just have a variance in Braden Smith's shooting Saturday, like Alabama wins that game right. because of the game plan. And like the defensive game plan was excellent going in. Like I just pre- preparation wise, like a whole new set of signals, play calls, everything. Like there was a lot of a different approach from Pinon. I thought Pinon was extra active um, in calling out the defense and everything going forward. I thought things looked differently. Uh, and I mean, it worked. Like it was. It was excellent. Uh, I think if Alabama played defense like they did against Purdue, against yeah. Clemson, they win the game. I think if they guarded Edie, or if they guarded PJ Hall as hard as they guarded Edie, they win that game. Absolutely, absolutely. And I don't yeah. think there's any doubt about that. To be honest with you, no. And I, I think Ohio State. It was just like only difference there is like Clemson beat us with PJ Hall and four whatever his name is and hard. Um, yeah, and Gerard. Uh, Ohio State just shot the ball. They just shot the lights they out. Like, shot there's, just the no, lights there's no way. But even defending like perimeter-wise, I thought Alabama ran him off the line pretty well uh, on Saturday. There weren't a whole lot of times where like Purdue had a wide-open shooter that was someone they want taking a shot uh, until the second half. Like They, they made a lot of tough shots. Uh, but I thought the defensive game plan going in was great. And obviously, the offense was incredible uh, on Alabama's part. I mean, Mark Sears – I mean, Literally, wow. can't you can't say enough about him? Like, what more is there to say? Like, he had 35, eight of 15 shooting. He's still a 51 percent on the year, with 25 of 49 from three. Like that, it's it's unreal. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. I think really the only guy offensively that you might have wanted more from um, would have been Estrada, Estrada, only having five points. But I, I he think had the there first were, five and then kind of disappeared. Yeah, I, I think there were some some extenuating circumstances there that just I don't know he just wasn't wasn't fully there um and had did not have one of his better games um for Alabama but I don't think that's anything that's gonna 
blaster no. up again. Like that's just the only thing. Um, I thought Latrell Reitzel and Walters were good off the bench. Sam was good at being there, ready yeah. to be a set shooter whenever needed. Um, I think the only thing, and even too like offensively, like people will probably say like how many ended up shooting forty six threes. Like that's a lot, and definitely more than we will want to take. But like expected value here, if you're driving to the rim and it's worth two points against Zach Eady, you probably have a twenty five percent chance or to zero percent chance of like going up and over him. Uh, I mean, that's why Estrada took so many mid ranges that I think people got frustrated with. But it's like, yeah. if you think for more than ten seconds, it's like, okay, there's no there's no reason to drive to the rim. Like you're not going to get a foul call. And you're not going to get a bucket. Like you, your expected points is like half a point at best. And from three, when you shoot 19 to 46, expected value is like almost one and a half points. Like that's you expect to get much more from three than you do from two. Based like one based on threes are worth more than twos, and your probability. So that's that benefited Alabama Saturday, but we probably won't see. I hope we don't see 46 threes taken in another game. First, and you shouldn't. Like, to be yeah. honest, like, again, that's another game. Like, you look at this game and, like, the game plan itself, and you have to look at it in a vacuum almost. Because when you have Edie in the paint, Edie, like, doesn't foul. Whether you think he does or not, officials do not call fouls on him. Shooting fouls, that is. And yeah. so whenever you know a shot blocker is that good, there's no, like, I saw time and time again Sears would get into the lane and he would snake around Edie and kick out. And when you're a team that shoots as efficiently as Alabama does from three, what is Alabama from three on the season? Uh, like 45? It's something stupid high. Uh, it's 41 right now, which is still – 41. Insane. Like that, that's – absolutely ridiculous and so if you're if you as a team are shooting 41 percent, if you have individual players that you have like five different players shooting 40 percent, like yeah. that's what you do that's the yeah. offense because eventually if you keep giving open shots to mark sears to sam walters to rylan griffin to latrell reitzel they're going to hit them they're going to make the shots and yeah. It was unfortunate for Alabama that they got a lot of really good looks in the second half that I thought they didn't make. Um, and they still – what was that final um, shooting percentage on the game? 41. Still 41. Like, still shot lights out. Like, 41 is a great shooting percentage. If they if that was up to, like, 50, um, based on some of the looks that they got in the second half, they would have won the game. Um, but I thought the offense, like – you can compl- you can look at a shot chart and complain all you want about Alabama didn't get to line enough, Alabama didn't take enough shots at the rim. But like watching that game, that was the appropriate game plan and it almost worked. Like yeah. they they played the best they could, got within a hair of they they had the lead with two minutes left. Mark yeah. Sears hit a three to go up by one point with like two minutes to go. And yeah. so literally got all you could out of it speaking of mark sears i do not think there's a better player in the southeastern conference right now as we speak i i completely agree it's ridiculous how he is playing like he's average 30 well one he had 35 
And I tweeted about this, but by the second half, nobody else was hitting anything. And Oates said, Mark, you got to take us there. And so what does he do? It flare screens. Like he he's drawn up like back-to-back flare screens or like re-screening for Mark going to the wing. Or you've got him coming off a double screen to the corner on a baseline out of bounds play for a three. And it's just like our best offense right now, Nate would say, is, is Mark Sears shooting the three-pointer. And so he and, – and props to him and props to Pannone. Like they schemed him open time and time again. And props to Sears because he executed. And all of those things – like that's what kept Alabama in the game. And if you look at what he's doing on the season, I mean – 21.4 points a game. I think he's in the top five of high major players in points per game. Uh, 4.3 rebounds, four assists per game. He's 56% from the field. He's 51% from three. It's absurd. It's absurd. Uh, I mean, Ken Palm's got him ninth in player of the year standings right yeah. now. Uh, for reference... Uh, actually, no, Tristan Newton is a guard. Never mind. I, I think he is one of um, three guards, maybe four four guards in the top ten. So it's it's a lot of big men. Who are the maybe, other guards in the top ten? Uh, let's see. Uh, Kolick from Marquette. Yep, makes sense. Uh, I, I think Tristan Newton's functionally playing guard for UConn. Yeah. And then, and then Terrence Shannon from Illinois. Yes. Makes sense. Uh, nobody else in the Southeastern Conference is within three points per game of Mark Sears right now. Jeez. Uh, the closest is South Carolina's Michi Johnson with 18.4. Then it's Dalton Connect, Antonio Reeves, Allen Flanagan, all are at 18 on the dot. Gosh. Um, and then you even, I mean, like Estrada's still averaging 15. Yeah. He's still been great. Um, what is, what is Nelson right now? 13.7. So like it, I, I just cannot like, he's not even just playing at like a first team all SEC level. Like he's playing at an SEC player of the year level. And that's what Alabama needed from their best returning player was for him to make a jump like that. And that's going to be really special once March comes around because veteran guards win you games in the SEC tournament, in the NCAA tournament. And he seems like he's taken the leap to be that alpha that can put the ball in his hands. I remember coming into the season, people were like, game on the line, like, who who are you giving the ball to for Alabama? And it is very apparent that Mark Sears is the best player and the alpha on this basketball team. And it was incredible to watch on Saturday. And it has been incredible to watch for games now about how, just, just how good he's been. He's been fantastic. Yeah, he, he's, he's incredible. He, he's such, he's such a good dude. Like he is every game in the huddle before they break and go put the jerseys on and run back out. Like it's him leading the tunnel. It's him leading the team. Uh, he is like, Literally, exactly from a coaching perspective, like who you would want leading your team and taking the shots and carrying the offense and leading intensity on defense too. Uh, I'd 
Like he's just been so special to watch, and I think he is like leading candidate number one for SEC Player of the Year. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think, like I think this production is going to continue. Like I, averaging twenty one, he might drop a little below that. It'll drop. Like Miller couldn't even average twenty. Right. But I mean, like he probably will still lead the conference. Like except the, the only he, he thing might be Michi Johnson having to like shot chuck and carry. That might take him up, but I mean, Mark Sears is—he's been incredible, like just absolutely unreal. And the craziest thing to be is the efficiency. Yeah, like it's he's on—it's on fifty-six percent from the field. Yeah, he hasn't had a game under fifty percent field goal percentage this season. Yeah, he's sixteenth in true shooting percentage in the country. Like, of he's probably everybody. like the only guard in that top yeah. sixteen. Yeah. I, I, I and I'm sure I'm sure Edie is number one in true shooting percentage. Like he should be, because like he, he makes every shot. Uh, yeah, like he's he, he is simply different, uh, and I think he's I think just going to carry down the road, and he'll be important throughout the season. Yeah, the other the other player I was really impressed with was Wagi. I thought he came out with – I thought he was the most defensively sound of any of Alabama's bigs. I thought he was really active on the glass. Um, I, I think he's Alabama's best option at the center spot going forward. I think he's definitely, um, like, earned – the. I mean, I know we had been – uh, we had been seeing Oates experiment with uh, him, Pringle. Um, it's very clearly Wagi's job going forward, and I think as he continues, he's ramping up more from the knee in- or the foot injury, um, and and he's going to be a very big piece as he continues to improve and as this team continues to gel as that starting big man. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the effort that he put in. I mean, you you see. Like hadn't got his jersey ripped uh, one way or another yeah. at the end of the game. Like he's uh, even full effort and smart effort. Like he made a three on Saturday that I, I love to see. He made both. Uh, I think he only shot two free throws, but I believe he made. I know he made both of them. Um, he just brings that. He brought intensity as best that he could while defending Edie and stayed in the game a very, very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think until like two, three minute mark which when the situation is what it is, you love to see that from him, that he can provide that longevity. Um, and it's been, it's been cool to see the last few weeks, like with Pringle going out for a bit, uh, Woogie stepping up and being the guy that can make it happen on, on both sides of the ball. Like he's uh, great offensively and gets into his positions and is like a legitimate threat enough to shoot that it opens up the floor. Um, and then I think it, it frees up Grant a little bit more too on the offensive side of the ball, being able to have Wiggy at the five. Yeah. He uh, he provides what Alabama's needed, and I think he's going to continue. Um, and he's got got two more tough assignments coming up the next two weeks. Yes, he does. Hopefully, he doesn't have three in the first half this weekend. Yeah. Um, I, speaking of those games and those tests, Creighton's an interesting one now after last night right because they got smacked by a not good unlv team yeah 
um, from from everything I know about this UNLV team. They're not great. Creighton mm-hmm. lost 79-64 on the road mm-hmm. um, to a Creighton team that – or to a UNLV team that coming into the game was under 500. Um, so I tweeted this, but that, that means two things. One, this team is really beatable. Uh, but two – that uh, you're going to get Creighton's best shot. Like Creighton is going to be locked in. It's a powder blue out from what I've seen. Very, very um, You got to get one of those shirts while you're there. Oh yeah. I, I got to, got to add to the, add to the arsenal of shirts. Nothing will beat the, uh, the space city Cougs shirt. from Houston. Yes. <laughs> from the Houston game when they yeah. striped out the arena. That was cool. Alabama's just everybody's Super Bowl, I guess they got to do I guess all these so. big things. Uh, I think but, we're pretty, pretty close to undefeated in, in gimmick games as well. I think Arkansas. Oh, that's right, because Arkansas, Arkansas was wide out. out. Or wide it out, um, yeah. Tennessee did something, but not, not as Memphis, organized. Memphis beat Alabama in a wide out. True. Uh, Auburn wide it out. Oh, they did. That's right. I think Mississippi State tried to stripe out as well. So, again, it's a Super Bowl. What can Super you say? <laughs> but Everybody the, I, I feel I don't know how to feel because I I want to feel better after whatever it is that they just pulled last night. Um mm-hmm. but this is Alabama basketball. <laughs> so it's like the you naturally you're gonna get Creighton's best game on Saturday. Um how do you well first of all let me look at something on Ken Palm, Creighton dropped to thirteenth. Yes. Alabama has moved into the top 10. Yep. Uh, the highest, excuse me, the second highest three-loss team behind Tennessee. Mm. Uh, this would be a huge one for Alabama to get because I feel like um, Ethan Lamb tweeted this the other day. Uh, he was reminiscing about the Houston trip because it was a year ago, a couple of days ago. Um, and he was like, that was the um, kind of get over the hump moment for that team. Uh, and I felt like they were kind of, they were kind of different from that game on, and um, I agree with that. And I think this team is kind of searching for that signature win, that win that they can hang their hat on and be like, okay, we've endured some early season struggles, but we're here now. I feel like that's kind of what they're looking for. This could absolutely be that, going onto the road against a top – eight team right now they'll be a top 15 by the time next week's rankings come out um and they drop from this unlv loss but that it's a very it's a big game and it's one that i think alabama is capable of winning based on the two times creighton has lost they've gotten blown out they have uh what was what was the colorado state game they lose by like 25 they lost by 21 it was 69 to 48 Now, that's a good Colorado State team. It is. 28th in Ken Palm. I think they're top 20 in the polls. UNLV is outside of the top 100 in Ken Palm. Um, Ken Palm projects a three-point win for Creighton in this game. What What do you see? What do you think? So, I think the biggest thing with Creighton is that they are very, like, their two losses have come in large variance in three-point shooting. Uh with their like their primary defensive strategy is to run you off the line. They're not as good interior, even with Copperbrenner. Like he's not as good of an interior defender as 
like you would kind of expect. So they focus a lot on pushing teams off the line. Um, but because of that, and they take a lot of threes, like they had a, let's see, yesterday they were eight of 29 and UNLV was 10 of 22 and shot quality put out something, but basically like Creighton was four or five feet more open than the average three point shot last night. And they just missed. They were six of 29 against uh, Colorado state from right. three. And, and that's like, the kind of variance that like, I think a lot of opposers to Oat system like to attribute and say that like this is like li- like live by the three, die by the three. That's like the system goes deeper than that. Um, but Creighton seems to like actually be doing that, which is really interesting. Um, like the just looking at their shot chart, like it's pretty pretty heavily three point land, right? But there's also like a good bit of like some mid ranges in there, like uh, some different shots. So I think they are just super, super reliant on the threes and don't get as many offensive rebounds. So what I see for Alabama, basically how that translates is like the threes are not going to be as open as they were against Purdue. And you're going to have to adjust and get to the rim a little bit more. Um, But you can still get off a lot of threes. And this team is still pretty good at shooting contested threes. Pretty good at shooting all the types of threes. Um, Between Rylan Griffin and Grant Nelson, you can just rise up above the defenders. And I think we'll see that. And then with Sears and Estrada, you're quick enough to get into the lane, get by the first defender, and open things up. So I'm I'm pretty optimistic going into Saturday. I think Creighton kind of maybe coming in in a little bit of wounded animal mode, but maybe a little bit more, too, of just, like, confidence being shaken by just missing so many open shots. Like, that just that takes a toll on you, too, of, like, feeling like you're doing a lot of the right things on both sides of the ball and it just not going well for you. Uh, so on maybe the psychological point of view, I'm hoping that that kind of has taken a little bit of a toll and they come in obviously wanting to prove themselves, but um, maybe maybe a little unsure. Because, they, I mean, this would be a huge win for them as well. Like, make no mistake, like Alabama is unranked and has three losses, whatever. Like all three losses are to one elite team and two pretty, pretty good teams that are going to challenge for the conference. Uh but I, I think the key is like getting the rebounds off shots early in the game and not um, and being patient enough to get to the rim and not always take the first three available. And obviously, obviously if it's there, take it. But being patient um, and trying to get a few more looks at the rim because this team won't won't give as many threes up as Purdue did. So that's, I feel optimistic, um, but I, I think like they're just as liable to have a hot shooting day as we are pretty much between Shireman and Trey Alexander uh, that it's the, the three is going to be heavily featured. Like this is going to be a high scoring game. Uh, I know they like to slow it down a little bit more than Alabama does, but we normally speed teams up much, much more than we get slowed down. Yeah, this it's going to be an interesting one. It, it's what we could have gotten in the elite eight last year. Um, right. If Alabama yeah. had beaten San Diego state. Um, also, a rematch of the 2012 first round of the NCAA tournament where allegedly Trevor Elford didn't get fouled. It's also a rematch of, I think, the 2015 NIT first round. I, I uh, believe it. Yeah. it was either 2015 or 2016 where Creighton mm-hmm. beat Alabama. Uh, huge rivalry game. Absolutely massive. massive rivalry. Folks are saying that this is Alabama's biggest basketball rival. 
and I believe them. Um, I, think so I, I think they're right. So it, it's going to be big. It's going to be exciting. I don't know how to pick this one. I I, I see both sides. I feel like you're going to pick Alabama. I I am this week. I, I feel confident. Uh, just from what I saw Saturday, like the energy was different. Um, talk to talk to Mr. Sharnowski a little bit, and he the, the vibes are good on the team. Like everybody's in good spirits. I think um, coaching staff wise, like they they feel excellent still. Like they, they know Saturday's game. Like they're they're not going to come out and make any public complaints about officiating about a dude that's not in our conference, and you're just not going to see again because yeah, why, why waste your breath? Um, but everybody knows Zach Eady's elite, and without him being elite, Alabama wins that game last week. So mm-hmm. if Alabama can come in and play a similar type of game tomorrow, or sorry, Saturday against Creighton, like I, I don't, I don't see why they would not be able to go in and win. I think I've gone back and forth like four different times, like during this episode alone, on who I'm going to pick. Sure. I think I'm going to go with Alabama. Oh, yeah. Close. I think that I think they get this one. Yeah. Um, we've been saying that they it would be huge for them to get one of these three um at first i thought this was the least likely one for them to get but then i saw how they played against purdue and also how creighton just looked i don't know maybe maybe this alabama team feels like they smell some blood in the water here with creighton um and they're able to strike and get this signature win that they've been searching for. Like they, it feels like they're right there um, after watching last week's game. Um, So I'm, I'm going to go with Alabama to win, um, but I'm not confident. I'm not going to lie. I'm not confident, Uh, but I I think it's definitely going to be a fun one to watch a fun one for you to be at for sure. Um, I'm not going to, we don't have to pick this Arizona game, but that one's going to be something else. I, fireworks in that game. Absolutely. I, I, I am very interested to see how they play Purdue Saturday. That will, yes. I think that will tell me a lot. Um, so I'm, I'm very intrigued to see that game in particular and glad that, that sorry, sorry to everybody else, but good for me for everybody that wants to watch the other games of the tip time being later. So the Alabama Creighton getting moved to prime time, get to watch the rest of the games in the day. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I think, you know, the last three losses, like Alabama's been down about seven or eight, gotten it to like two or three, and then a bad bounce has gone the other team's way. They've also and, had eight to ten point leads in all of those games. Yeah. Like it's I, – I think I think we get one game that goes like that. I think it's, I think it's Saturday. I think it's – Hypothetically, if Alabama loses these next two games, people are going to be losing their minds. They're going to look at the record and see six and five, and they're going to think this team's terrible and that they're going to be a bubble team and blah, blah, blah. And none of that is true. If Alabama loses these next two games, they're still in a very, very good position going forward, I think, because of, um, one, they will have gotten a lot better, assumingly, over these next three games their last game in these next two um they, they will have gotten a lot better and the sec still looks weak it's bad. we talked about it 
again in the episode that got lost. But we uh, the the SEC just doesn't look great right now. I mean, like Tennessee's good. I think Tennessee's yeah. probably the best team in the SEC. Yeah, um, I, you can go ahead and give them nine and zero at home. I mean, that's like they won't lose a home game. I yeah. I think they're gonna win the SEC regular season. If you ask me right now, I I would I would probably agree with you. I, I think and yeah. Their, their road schedule, to me, is not challenging enough where I would expect them to lose that many games. And so. then outside of them, you have, like, a mix of that next tier, which I think is, like, Texas A&M, Auburn, Kentucky, Alabama. I think that's kind of your top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it gets to a lot of kind of gross. Like, Arkansas is not great right now. now um, that, which, December bracketology, but – so whatever, but they were not even on Lenardi's bubble. Yeah, they're they're they got four losses already, yeah. and they have the Duke win. Cool, but like Duke's not that good right now either. Mm-mm. Duke Duke played a close one with Hofstra for a bit. Uh, and then you look at like we thought Mississippi State could maybe be good. They lost a game to Southern. Good teams don't lose to Southern, and they played it close with Murray State last night. They, they Ole Miss is an interesting one, but I don't know how much they're going to hold up once SEC play comes around. Um, that like they're one, there's somebody you don't really want to see necessarily, but I I don't know if they're uh, in the top tier. Um, so it just like you look around the conference and they're like like Missouri's fine, lost to Jackson State though. It's like there there are a lot of teams that are interesting, but it doesn't look as loaded as maybe we thought going into the year. So I think there's – even if Alabama – if we look up in seven days and Alabama is six and five, I still think there's a strong chance that you could see something like 12 and six in the SEC. I still think you could see that kind of performance from them in SEC play. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, the, the SEC has looked like – Gotten some decent non-conference wins, had some bad, bad non-conference losses. There's just no way around that. Uh, and I think that is a, a good assessment of where the league's at. If like a lot of times, like you know, last year's like trips to Missouri and trips to Vanderbilt and places like that were still tough. And obviously, it's a road game in the SEC. Nothing's ever going to be given, uh, but it might be given a little bit more this year. Like you, you might, like there's a bigger a bigger drop-off in talent, uh, and I think you can see that by how many players from the SEC or from last year on two-way contracts are in the league right now and grinding their way up there through that way. So there's a lot of a lot of young teams in the SEC uh, that could still kind of shake out well, but like I, I think this is like for the the type of start that Alabama's had. That's pretty much not much more you could ask for in terms of what you're looking at ahead going into conference play. So like you look at the first. Five games for Alabama. It's you go to Vanderbilt, the lowest ranked. They're terrible. Yeah, the lowest Ken Palm ranked oh. Power Six team. Um, South Carolina at home. Go to Mississippi State. Everybody's been raving about their defense, which it's still solid. But how? What well, they gave up seventy five to Murray State last night. I, I, that's not that's not the mark of a good team. Um, then you have Missouri at home. I believe timeline wise, and then yeah, and then Saturday, you go to then you, go to, you got back to back games against Tennessee and Auburn or Tennessee, yeah, yeah, big stretch there. So like a very, uh, very strong chance at starting 
four and zero in the SEC. I mean, so, Ken Palm projects twelve and six in the SEC as it stands right now, and that's with projecting two more losses in these next two games. Um, so, like, if Alabama's sitting at six and five, don't bury them. You just learned this with the football team. Don't yes. don't bury teams in the first or second month of the season. Yeah, um, stay, stay off Twitter. Yeah, stay, stay off Twitter, please. Uh, they, they, it's going to be a tough stretch. If Alabama can get this Creighton game, it would be huge. If Alabama could get Arizona, it would be huge. But mm-hmm. the computers still really like Alabama. They're they're top ten in Ken Palm right now, yeah. unranked in the AP awful. poll because the AP like doesn't know ball. Clearly, Blues down, win, go up. That's it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you've got. I mean, Auburn, who I think is like a top twenty team at least. Right is like ninth in Ken Palm unranked in the AP. Like, what are we doing? You know, the AP doesn't know what they're doing. So don't, don't look at rankings whenever it comes to how good you think a team is. Um, I think, man, we've been going for a minute. I was about to say, I looked up and it was 50 minutes. That's great. Um, I don't know how much I have left. Um, I won't unfortunately have much coverage of the Creighton game. I'll be at a wedding. And so that time change kind of uh, was unfortunate. I was going to get to watch it if it was early in the day. Um, sure. So I'll be I'll be keeping up. Won't be um, as intently watching as maybe I would have liked if it was earlier in the day. Jacob will be there in Omaha. Yeah. And then both of us will be in Phoenix. Absolutely. Um, so be on the lookout for some coverage from Phoenix. Looking forward to that. Um, anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? Uh, be, be sure, everyone, to send your congrats to Blake. He graduates on Saturday. So yes, make sure if you do that, congrats. We'll get some some good grad grad picks on the timeline. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's it. Uh, just it's, it's just strong. I think this is a good, really good set of few games where Alabama could rattle one off of the next two and be season-defining. Uh, seems like every year, you know, the past, past three years, Alabama's gotten a big road win. Um End of December, early January, starting Tennessee, at Tennessee, Gonzaga, True. Houston. So they're due. They're due. They might be due. We'll see. Uh, but we will uh, catch you guys probably next week after the Arizona game to recap these um, next two games, recap that trip and everything. Um, but until then, uh, thank you as always for watching. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, catch all of our uh, new episodes and any other content we have uh, on there. But yeah, that's going to do it. Uh, for today. We will catch you guys in the next one.